Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. It's Friday and you know what that means. Another conversation with a collector in the hobby that matters. This time I got my man Kevin Randall, the Captain 37, back on the show. He was just at the Causeway Card Show, going to talk about that. He's a national vet. Of course, we're getting into that. And of course, we're spending time on football cards, baby. Topic that is near and dear to my heart. If you like what you've been hearing, hit that subscribe button, leave a review. Are you getting the weekly rip? Link in my IG bio. Sign up. It drops every damn Friday. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? Welcome back to the show. I am excited for this conversation. We're going to be talking shows. We're going to be talking football. Reoccurring guests. I like to bring people that I like back on the show. This is certainly someone that I have a lot of interactions with. I've learned a ton and bring them on the show because I think all of you can learn a ton too. Uh, Captain 37 as known on IG, Kevin Randall. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing right now? Man, I'm pumped to be here, man. I've had a crazy uh, 72 hours in my personal life. That's a conversation for another time. But buying and selling houses is probably one of the most stressful adult things that is going out there. But regardless, I'm pumped. I think it's about my third time on the podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to spend, you know, 45 minutes to an hour just talking cards and forgetting about life for a little bit. So thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, that's what uh, that's we were just chatting before. That's what I think cards are for is to let us escape for a little bit. So before we get into football cards and we're going to talk national, you put out an Instagram live video that I've certainly been trying to point everyone to because it's just real talk. I think we need more real talk in the hobby. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that video, but I know you were just at a show. You're at the Causeway show. In Boston, I was following it um, from afar. It looked badass, like cool vibe. Um, looked like people were having fun. I guess maybe let's start from the top. Like, what what you, what was your perception of the show? Did you have a good time? And we can get into some of the details on what people were looking for. Yeah, you know, first off, huge shout out to um, Chris Costa, Costa Cards, and uh, Big Night Breaks. You know, they put on a hell of an event over the weekend, um, and. You know, he's really come strong on the card scene. You know, he's got some big plans coming up. Um, I'm not going to spoil any of those. Those are for him to discuss. But um, he's going to be one of the biggest people in the card scene over the next year for sure. Um, he's a great dude. You know, I hung out with him socially a couple of times before the show. And he, he's got some big ideas and big plans. And, and, you know, this weekend was part of it. So, you know, this was the second go around for the Causeway Card Show. Um, it was a one-day show last time and two-day show this time. And I think the two-day show was huge because it allowed some people to come in who might not have for a one-day show, you know, coming in, traveling, you know, and, and the show was just unbelievable. It, it's, you know, I put a post up about it today with some of my pickups. It's it's a modern card show, I kind of called it, right? So, you know, normal card shows, you go into like some little hotel basement and it's dead silent in there. And, you know, you, you it's just a different vibe. Like this was like, you know, you walk into a, a bar basically. Right. There's a DJ there. You got some music playing in the background. There's waitresses walking around serving drinks, um, full serve bar there. J- just a totally different vibe. It's pretty cool when you can hang out. And I mean, anytime I can have a captain and Diet Coke and, and talk sports cards, right? It, it's a good time. But 
be able to do that at the show and, and, and do some wheeling and dealing while you're in a kind of a relaxed atmosphere with some music in the background amongst friends. It was just a hell of a time. It's, you know, I can only put so much into words. You just got to be there. And people who were there know what I'm talking about. It was just an unbelievable show. And, you know, I just, I can't wait for the next one. The, the feedback on it was unbelievable. It was packed both days. It's pretty rare, you know, for a Sunday show that you're still doing a ton of wheeling and dealing. And a Sunday afternoon, normally like it's the morning and then it's dead afterwards. That tends to be a lot of the vibes with local shows. But this thing was consistently good 10 to 5 both days, which is pretty rare. So credit to Chris Coster and his team at Big Night Breaks. Um, they hosted an incredible event. Yeah, I've been enjoying his uh, page and connecting the dots with him running that show. And that's certainly a show that I think would be on my list to get out to. Obviously, Boston's always a good time. Were you were you set up? Were you were you dealing at the show? Yeah, I was set up. Yep. So um, basically, like when you walk in the show, you take a left in the first aisle. It was Costa cards. It was MC sports cards. Um, it was Matt sports cards. It was. 401 cards, Granite State cards, shiny prospects. I'm missing somebody, but then it was me in that area. And then the, the cool thing about the show this time around is they, first of all, there were no COVID restrictions. So it was much more spread out. It wasn't like one-way traffic. You could travel however you wanted to travel. And then they opened up the whole second room. Like people didn't even realize they walked in the show. They're like, oh my gosh, this it's kind of small. I said, no, they go up the staff. There's literally a whole other room where there's all vendors in there. Um, my buddy, Chris, the stress cards was in there. He said the traffic in there was unbelievable. Um, it was just, it was awesome. Then you got, you know, they got the big screen, they're doing live breaks. You got Scott Zolak there. You got Chase Winterbitch. You had, um, Taco there, you know, doing a break. My God, the size of that guy's hands it looked like the cards. He were breaking raw minis. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> um, but it was just, it was an awesome time. Yeah. I think I saw, I think you look like you were having a good time just by following the pictures. Looks like you had some, um, some, uh, followers maybe get, hooking you up with some captain diet and captain for breakfast. Is that, is oh, yeah. that what happened? <laughs> yeah, I got served a captain diet at 10 AM after not even having breakfast. So it actually sat surprisingly well, but I mean, damn, I'm not going to turn down a free drink. Right. So uh, my buddy, Mike seven ring collector, um, I think I'm getting his name right in IG, but, uh, he brought one over, you know, saying thanks for a previous deal. So it was cool. So it's what it's all about, man. You know? Totally. And I'd love to get your your kind of vantage point on this going into the national. I think there's been several shows since the Dallas show. I know Atlanta's coming up in Dallas again, but the last, like, it seemed like big story around shows was Dallas show and how, you know, people like had their cards marked up and people just wanted cash and people are having a hard time getting cards, moving cards. That was like the overall narrative. Like I didn't really face any of that. I just had conversations with people at the table, just ask mm -hmm. questions and see, you know, how, where their bottom was, see if we could work out a deal and end up made it, making a deal on a card. Um, so I didn't really face any of that, but I know cards were marked up a little high um, just based on some recent comps. I'd, I'd love to get Causeway, like your opinion on the Causeway show. Was it, what was it easier to move cards? Like what, what was the overall like transaction volume for you? Like at that show? Yeah, I mean, actually, it was, I mean, I hit my weekend goal Saturday. So I was, you know, I, I had a goal going on the weekend. I'm not going to talk numbers, but I mean, I had a goal. I'm like, all right, I want to do this X amount. And I hit that Saturday. So obviously that that showed the fact that, you know, people were there to do business at the show. You know, in terms of stuff I saw, um, I actually only had, so I, I'm strictly dealing with cash right now. I'm not dealing as a dealer with any type of online transactions. There's too much risk on my end. You know, people don't realize like, you know, somebody pays you with a show for a card, PayPal or Venmo or whatever. And then, you know, they walk away and take your card and then do a chargeback and you're now screwed up, right? Cash is just, it just makes things so much easier. Um, so I literally only had one transaction that couldn't go through because the guy didn't have cash. And 
We literally met today locally and he gave me cash for the cards. So he gave me a, a little down payment and he said, listen, I'll, I'll literally, you know, come to your town, meet you wherever you want to meet. And he would get met up and it was cool. Obviously that's not going to happen traveling, you know, to Chicago. All right. But, you know, for the most part, everybody came rolling with cash and, and, and ready to roll, which was good to see. Um, in terms of the markup, um, I know the people who are in my group that I rattled off before um, did a ton of deals. I mean, we all, all the same mindset that I talked about in my podcast, like we're not setting up museums at shows, right? We want to move cards. Um, so it, it's that simple, you know? So I, I mean, I priced my, so I set up at a local show probably two or three weeks before this. And I went through all my cards and priced them all again, because that's what you got to do as a dealer. I mean, I, I, you want to price based on the latest comps. I mean, some cards I marked up, some cards I went down. That's just the nature of the game. Um, but you know, price your stuff ready to move. I mean, if people walk by your booth and they see shit priced 20, 30% of a rebate, they're going to keep walking by. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's, there's heavy competition at the national. Right. You got, you know, 800 other dealers in the room who are looking to move cards with people. There's only so much money to go around from from walkers. Right. So, you know, price your stuff competitively or, you know, get left behind, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And let's let's get into maybe the IG live. I don't want to like rehash all of it. I just want to hit some main points that I took away um, from the video. Again, everyone go to the Captain 37's page and check out that video. It was really good content. So I think the first thing maybe is just cash. Right. That, yeah, you might have said it a hundred times in the video. You said it so many times that like I had like this idea. I was out on vacation last week and my mindset was when I got back from vacation, I was going to go through my PC and I was going to say, what can go so I can get cash to bring to the national? So like it was kind of just like a kick in the dick to be like, all right, let me go. Let, let, let me go do this. Um, but maybe talk about you talked about like the the PayPal deal where you can, you know, maybe someone like returns it and you get screwed out of it. But like maybe just from your you've been in the hobby for a long time, been in a ton of shows, just like the importance of cash and just like maybe on both sides and like maybe just some advice or tips for people that are going to the national who have a stack of cards right now who might not have uh, a ton of cash saved up in the bank, like like maybe just some thoughts on that. Well, I think you you nailed it in the head. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, it can be uncomfortable for people to carry out, carry around big wads of cash. And I completely understand that, you know, especially when you're in a room with 10, 15, 20,000 other people, I, I can understand why that's weird. I will say this. I see a lot of fanny packs at shows and my, my brother had one on, you know, I was kind of busting his balls about it, but it actually makes sense because one thing I actually didn't get a chance to talk about in the live that I wish I did was um theft isn't going to just be an issue with the national with dealers it's going to be with walkers too so like i wouldn't have my wallet in my back pocket carrying around two g's with me you know i wouldn't have you know 10 grand in my backpack like you know in with not very secure zippers like the the whole fanny pack thing having it right in front of you i guess there's something to be said about that right it's kind of smart but as much as i was busting his balls i thought about it in the way home like shit maybe he's onto something you know so um and i got a couple other buddies who rock some man purses who i i bust up occasionally but it makes a lot of sense. So as much as dealers got to be concerned with theft with cash, it, it goes for the same thing for Walker. So just make sure you're prepared. You know, some people get weirded out taking big amounts of cash out of the bank, which I completely understand. I had a buddy who took out 5K out of the bank for um, the Wisconsin Dell show. They said the bank gave him like the, the ringer in terms of like what he was doing with the money, right? So go start taking out smaller amounts now. Um, the other thing is if you don't have, if your cash flow isn't heavy, I mean, you know, do what you did, Brett, go through your cards and pick out some stuff that you can part with, right? Um, you know, and then, you know, I, I those people, I hope they're getting to the show Wednesday or Thursday because those are usually the heavy times dealers want to buy because they want to flip stuff at the show. 
mean, no dealer wants to spend five or 10K with you, you know, on a Saturday or Sunday and not have a chance to flip those after the show. The dealers who do really well at the national are the ones who are buying early and often and able to turn that around real quick for profit um, and just have more money to buy, basically. What people off the street, you know, may not realize it's like, you know, you can offer to trade and stuff all day long, but eventually dealers have to sell cards for cash. Otherwise, they have no cash to buy your cards down the road. So if you're not willing to buy and pay cash, it's a vicious cycle with dealers not wanting your cards. So, you know, it, it kind of goes full circle there. Um, but I will say I was pleasantly surprised with with people who were ready to roll in Boston. I hope that's, you know, a positive momentum going into the national. Um, but if your cash flow isn't heavy, bring stuff to move. And the other thing I'll say, too, you know, I actually didn't buy a ton of the show. I wanted to buy more. But I would say that 80 percent of the people who come up to my booth, you know, were wanting like, you know, 90 to 100 percent of eBay costs for stuff and some people even pricing it over. So, I mean, people bitch about dealers having stuff priced over. Right. If you're walking up to a dealer's booth or table, I mean, you're expecting to get 90 to 100 percent eBay comps, leave your cards at home. It's just not going to happen. Right. Especially in this market where, you know, let's be honest, things are trending down and have been. We're starting to see an uptick in certain aspects, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, but, you know, there was certain stuff. I mean, if you're showing me, you know, base basketball cards, A, I'm probably not buying anyway. But B, I'm not giving you more than like 70% of comps because I could pay a thousand bucks for it today and then next week it's down to 800. And, and I think that's something else I talked about in my live was the fact that if you bought, you know, cards in the last six months, especially basketball cards, chances are you're upside down on them. And that equates to a lot of these higher over eBay prices that people are seeing at shows. Um, so I guess my advice to those dealers is either, hey, be willing to sell for a loss or don't bring it. Right. Because, you know, you pricing a card 20, 30 percent over eBay because you're upside down. And that could be the first card somebody looks at in your booth and they say, all right, this guy's going to be crazy high priced. I'm rolling away. There's, there's 799 other dealers out there who, who got stuff that I'm going to look at rather than this guy who stuff's overpriced. So um, I guess, you know, that's we could talk cash and, and shows and that stuff all day. But that's some of the stuff I would say. Yeah, I want to talk about the comp stuff. But before we get into that, um, just my personal use case, like looking at my stuff, it was like, all right, there's this basketball stuff that I have. And it's it, it's nicer stuff. It's not base stuff. It's stuff that I felt like I could part with, knowing that if I put it up today, I might lose a little bit on what I bought it for. And then there was some football stuff that I didn't necessarily want to give up. But I, I figured, you know what, I'd rather have the cash flow just in case a big card that I really wanted was up came up at the national. So I think like, Something that's important is just like, especially with the way the market has moved over the last six months, like you got to be okay, I think, with taking some L's and in the short term with the opportunity to go into the national and buy a card that you like really, really want and desire and believe in. And if you have that mindset and you you are not thinking about like just the, the short term and thinking more of the long term, then you probably will, will have a better experience. Um, do you, do you agree with that? Like, what's your mindset there? No, 100%. I mean, you know, short-term versus long-term is, is huge. I mean, being willing to take a short-term L for a potential long-term big gain is huge, right? That short-term L you're taking now has given you more ammo and more cash for going to the national buying a car that you believe in long-term. I think that's extremely important and smart. It's very tough for people who are getting in the game right now because, you know, they're, they're only thinking short-term. You know, it, it might be if you're just starting out in sports cards, it might be tough convincing the wife, hey, I'm going to go spend 5K on this and we're not going to see a turnaround on this for five years. So I, I get that. That's tough. If you've been in the game longer, it's easier to have a long term mindset. So I understand that some people might be listening and saying, well, yeah, it's easy to have a long term mindset. He's been doing this for 20, 25 years. And I get that. But I think what you're saying has merit. You know, the fact that, hey, 
you know, if you're going to the show, you have to have some some cash to play with. Otherwise, it's I mean, listen, if you want to go and, and just hang out with your, with your boys and walk around with a couple of drinks and look at the cards. Cool. I mean, that, that that's fine. But I mean, if you're looking to go and get some cards like, you know, you may have to take some L's in the short term to be able to have some spending money and have a, a, a full good time at the show and be able to do some wheeling and feeling. So, yeah, I think that definitely has merit what you're saying. So I, I want to get into the the comp thing and one thing that stood out to me that you talked about that I think it's important for maybe some new people that are coming in who are going up to dealers and trying to make deals with the show. <laughs> you emphatically said, don't be the last comp guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so maybe like talk through that. And I think that's really important. And I, I don't know, from my standpoint, like if I'm going up to a dealer and the, the card I probably want, chances are they're probably the last comp will probably be like six months to a year ago. The odds are a lot of the more liquid cards, right? There's, you know, stuff changes every day. So like maybe share some perspective there. Yeah. So, I mean, don't be the last comp guy. It, it works both ways. And I, I got to start out by saying like, I was kind of a hypocrite a little bit on this. Right. <laughs> so I, I sold a Brady card where like there was, you know, the last like two months, it was comp at like eight, 9,000 bucks. Right. And then one popped off at 1350 you know, like a week before the show, right? But 1350 is where they were, you know, maybe six to eight months ago. So I priced it 1300 and I, you know, I had literally had 10 people ask about this card. And I said, I wasn't taking below 1250. And I, I just explained this. I said, guys, I said, it's Tom Brady, right? I said, his market's trending up, the documentary's coming out. So I, I'm being the last comp guy right now. I know it's kind of, you know, dickish of me, right? Because I preached about that in my, my live. But at the same time, like there's certain situations where, the last comp does hold more weight than previous comps. When you're talking Tom Brady, when you're talking Patrick Mahomes, you know, that's a different story, right? Um, on the flip side, you know, I had a Mahomes card I was trying to buy. And, you know, the last comp was like, I don't know, 40% over the previous like 10 comps. And of course, the guy was trying to sell based on that. I politely explained to him. I said, listen, I said, you know, I can't buy it for that. And hey, listen, the next 10 comps might be right where you're wanting. And that's cool. But I can't buy for that right now. It's too much risk on my end. And the other thing I'll, I'll caution people about too, um, going into the national, you, you got to really be careful with comps um, leading up to the show. You know, let's just flat out say it here. Pe this stuff that can be messed with before the show and manipulated, where people try to pump up stuff to make it look like, you know, it's going through the roof to get rid of their stuff at the show. So, you know, just be cautious of that. Like if you're trying to, maybe you're trying to buy, a, a, um, you know, a Scion PSA 10 Prism. Right. And all of a sudden it goes from 400 bucks to 800 bucks before the show. I probably wouldn't be buying them at 700 bucks. Right. Because there's just too many people who can do too many things with that market. So just be smart. You know, I hate seeing people get screwed, you know, in that sense. So a lot of people like, oh, wow, the market's trending up. All this stuff's going up all of a sudden. Well, I mean, that's kind of like a, a historic thing that happens before every national. And it's definitely no coincidence. They just got to be smart buying it there. You know, so, um, you know, as much as I'm a dealer and I'm trying to make some money, you know, on the side to help my family out. At the same time, I, I don't like seeing people get screwed over in the long term. So um, I'm going to try to be as fair whenever possible. But, you know, if there's a last comp on my end, and it's Brady Mahomes and it looks like that market's turning up. Yeah, I, I guess I'm going to be that last comp guy and be a little hypocritical. But, you know, you, you can't be the last comp guy, whether you're a dealer or a walker 24-7. Otherwise, you're just never going to get anything done. Absolutely. And the, the one last like bullet I want to hit here on the IG Live that I thought think was good, it was more like show etiquette which I think is really important. And uh, hopefully people who are listening to this conversation, I'll, I would imagine many people will be going to the national for the first time. And this is something that you pointed out, I thought like couldn't be stated enough. 
was is the fact that like if you're spending time at somebody's showcases and you're looking at cards like at least engage with the dealer on the other side like have a conversation don't just sit there and stare like the hobby is all about like camaraderie communication sharing of cards and i think maybe like talk about (laughs) i i laughed i laughed when you said it but i was like damn like there are probably a lot of people that that don't even know they're doing this so maybe put a bow in the conversation and talk about that yeah so i actually didn't run into that a lot in boston and i almost felt like it was the atmosphere right the atmosphere was more loose the music going you know drinks are flowing stuff like that people are more likely to engage it's like you know i see that much more local like the quiet dungeon car shows you know, it's like we hear this just awkward silence, right? But yeah, you know, don't be the the, the starer at the cards and not say anything. And for the love of God, don't be the leaner, right? And the guy who's leaning over somebody's showcase is not saying a word to him. And while I have a chance to talk show etiquette, I got to bring this up and hammer it home. Don't put your shit all over somebody's showcase if you're not working with them in a deal. Like I literally had a guy dump their cards all over my showcase and there's literally like a gap between the table. So it was pretty obvious what cards are mine and what cards were mine. So I, I, I turned around, I was talking to, to my buddy, Matt, and I turned back around, this guy's shit is dumped all of my showcase. So he's talking to somebody else, even his drink, his drink. So I'm not going to tell you what I said, but I, I wasn't very polite in what I said. But I'm like, are you, are you shitting me right now? Like have a little <laughs> etiquette, like have a little class. Like you're trying to do a deal with the guy next to me and your shit's in my showcase, your drink, which is dripping all over my showcases, right? It's like. Come on, man. So like, you know, it's going to be a lot tight quarters. I mean, understand that when you go to somebody's booth at the national, there's probably two or three people who have showcase space there. So, you know, have you, if you're trying to do a deal and trying to work a deal and showing somebody cards, have your cards directly in front of the person you're dealing with on that showcase. So you don't run into something and piss somebody off. Because needless to say, when that guy came back to ask for a price, I wasn't very kind. I think I raised it a thousand dollars. I love it. And for the full rundown, these are just the, the quick hits. For the full rundown, go check out the conversation on Kevin's page. All right. So I, I'm excited. I want to talk football cards, a topic that is near and dear to my heart, a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart. It's funny. It seems like, you know, when I, when I was getting back into the hobby, I was trying to figure things out. And I, you know, went to Manning. Cause just because I love them. And I try to like understand, I'm like, where are all the football people at? And it just, I, I couldn't understand. And, you know, there was these narratives about like basketball and how it's global and this and that. And to me, it was just like, it, where are the football people? Like, uh, like football is like, you know how many people fucking watch Sunday night football? Like how many people are collect- And I couldn't find anybody. And then I started like digging in. It was like, finally, like, all right, I'm tired of just talking about basketball. Let me find football people. And you're one of the football people I, I met right out of the gates and like really like realized like you were an OG, been in the game, pretty much exclusive to football, a lot of knowledge. And so like I gravitated to you. We started groups, a lot of different conversations going a hold. So I think to me now, like I have been talking football this entire year, like a lot. And I think a lot of people are gravitating towards it. Maybe we just start from the top. Like you're someone who's always in football. Like, are you feeling any momentum towards people in the hobby and looking at football and seeing it, seeing an opportunity like you know you've been seeing for a long time? And I see. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, first off, I think you know it's no secret that the basketball market has taken a complete nosedive um, over the past six months. I think a lot of areas it was too high to begin with. I mean, when you even see stuff, guys like LeBron coming down, that's kind of alarming. 
because you, you just never see a free fall of like Brady stuff like that in the football market. So I feel like the the fact that some people are snake bitten by the basketball market has kind of made them gravitate towards football because football is almost safer. I know it kind of sounds weird to say because the injury risk in football is is so much more intense. Not for nothing, there was a shit ton of injuries in basketball this year, right? Um, with top end guys. But you know, I'm definitely seeing. You know, I would say that in my experience, this is the strongest the football market's ever been in the off season. Um, and I know prices. People might say, well, prices are going down. It's it's true, but like they're not like totally plummeting plummeting in the football market, whereas they did in the basketball market. And just you know, from what I saw at the show, and it, it's I can't give a full gauge on it because I don't have a ton of basketball cards in my showcase. But like I got people around me who you know I'm listening to conversations, I'm talking to people. There was a ton of everybody wanted Brady, everybody wanted Mahomes. Kyla Murray was a huge you know person people wanted. Um, some of the other young quarterbacks. So it's always like. This is why I love the national, the timing of it, especially as a football guy, right? Because, you know, the most hype is coming in the preseason, right? Which is right around national time. This is where you usually start to see an uptick. And you're already seeing it in Mahomes market, right? So his his PSA 10 Opticalo rookie um, dipped under 4K. And the latest comp, I think, was like around 44, 4,500. So you're starting to see that uptick. Um, and then I don't think that's inflated. I don't think that's like not real. I don't think people are trying to pump that for the national. Like, I think that's legit. People want Mahomes right now. I would say that in terms of, so what I had in my showcases over the weekend, I had a showcase of Brady rookies, Brady early stuff, Brady autos. Then I had um, a showcase of Brady shiny stuff, Tops Chrome, Finest, Optic, Select, Prism. Then I had a showcase of mixed stuff with like some Peyton Manning stuff, Mahomes stuff, a little bit of basketball, LeBron, Giannis, stuff like that. Um, And I would say the most popular things I was asked about, number one was my Mahomes rookies. And then number two, weirdly enough, was the Brady shiny stuff. It was kind of a little odd. I, I didn't sell a ton of Brady rookies. They only sold one the entire weekend. And I think that's a, we were actually having a good conversation about this in our Brady group chat, but it's like our, our chat's like split in half. There are people who just do rookies and people who just do shiny. I'm like one of the guys in between, like, like, you know, it, it's almost like a, a, a tug of war at times like, oh, the shiny market's going up, the rookie market's dipping, vice versa. Um, but I think people think they're priced out of Brady rookies because they got so high. So they're trying to gravitate towards something else. So the sweet spot for me at the show was selling Brady shiny cards in like the two hundred to thousand dollar range, and that that showcase was my most popular. That's what I sold the most out of the show. Um, but it, definitely, I had a couple of buddies who had a ton of success selling Kyle Murray stuff at the show. So there's definitely um, an uptick in the football market. And I, I posted some of my pickups from the show, and it was a couple of Mahomes optic rookies in there. And I mentioned, hey, listen, you know, you got about I don't even know if the window is still open. I was telling people this about a month ago. You had about a two to three week window of getting Mahomes stuff now before the market starts to tick up. Because, you know, let's face it, regardless of what you think about Mahomes, Brady, whatever, you know, we go back to our podcast post Super Bowl last year. That Brady Mahomes Super Bowl was the best thing that could have happened in the football market. I still firmly believe that. Of course, I'm sitting here as a guy heavily invested in both, but I think it helps drive the market. And of course, a lot of people asking for Herbert too. You know, he was popular. Had some people asking for Tua. I'm not a Tua guy, but you know the, the hype is you know there. The Dolphins got a loaded roster. Um, I had some people asking about your boy Wentz. You know mm. there were people coming up asking like the Colts got a loaded roster. Baker was a guy. I think I had I would say probably five to seven people ask for Baker stuff. I didn't have any, um, but the, the Browns got a loaded roster, so people are seeing you know opportunity there. You know, sadly, you know we we have a podcast. If I get back on here in three four months, you know. I would say 75% of those people aren't going to be happy with their investment because that's mm-hmm. just the way it works. I mean, 10 quarterbacks can't pan out in the football market. 
But, you know, this is the time where the football market's hyped up and definitely started to see it in Boston. And it's usually a guarantee at the national. Yeah. And I, there's a lot to unpack there and we're going to get to, I want to talk about the quarterbacks, but first maybe the rookie and shiny thing. I think, you know, we saw seem like, you know, we we're in a, it seemed like a hobby wasteland for a little bit. And it was just a little bit of a retraction in the market. We just hadn't seen the big banger sales. I, I, I say that with a caveat of there, there was just a shit ton of vintage baseball that was sold this weekend. That was crazy, yep. but it, it seemed like, there hadn't been like a big card like that, like got you to like stop in your tracks until the 2012 Prism Brady sold PSA 10 for 25K, I think it was. And it yep. was like, to me, that was like a huge moment for football cards because it it showed confidence in not only Tom Brady in the 2012 Prism and Refractor Prism cards. And that was just a big sale. And I wanted to celebrate that sale because to me, it was showed like, okay, well, maybe you don't just need to go buy rookie cards. Like there are other opportunities. And that's how I look at the football market. It's like, to me, a lot like, of course, there are great Brady, great Manning rookie cards. Um, but then there's they had such a illustrious career. Obviously, Brady's still playing. They've been in products. They get, they're in products that have, you know, serial numbered cards that are shiny and beautiful. And like, to me, those are the cards that I personally desire. So I don't know. I, to me, it, it seems like a lot of people who get back in the hobby just think, oh, it's got, there, there's this narrative. It's just rookie cards. It's ro just rookie cards. I know you talked about going a little bit both ways, but like, do you see like more opportunity outside of rookie cards, like in the future with football cards? Like I know you're right in the game on, on kind of rookies and shiny stuff. So I'd love to get your thoughts there. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still a firm believer in, you know, non-rookie stuff and the value there. Um, because normally, like if you're one of those people who doesn't have a huge bankroll and, and uh, you know, I've definitely been there, like you can't afford some of the super high end rookie stuff, like, you know, get some non rookie stuff, but earlier years. So like, you know, I was talking to people about Mahomes stuff. So I had in my showcase, I probably had 80% Mahomes rookies and like 20% Mahomes second and third year stuff. And I think that stuff's a great buy right now because while the, the prices aren't huge and some of that stuff right now, and if you look at it, right, if Mahomes stays on this trajectory, and he can win another ring, maybe an MVP mixed in the next, you know, two to four years, right? So look at what happened to Brady early stuff. Like it was all about his rookies, all about his rookies. You know, you could buy a PSA 10 Topps Chrome Tom Brady Black Refractor, you know, under a G like three to five years ago, right? That card's, you know, 30K minimum now, you know? So it's like, okay, look what happened with Brady stuff. Right after his rookie stuff went off and people couldn't afford that, all of his early stuff started to spike. Well, people who like Mahomes go buy some of his second and third year stuff and just sit. That's a long term play. Like you're not going to buy, you know, a 2019 select field level silver Mahomes right now for X amount and triple your money in a month. It's not going to happen. That's a long term down the road play because if people have been doing that with Brady stuff, non rookie stuff, I mean, my God, they'd be, they'd be retired. Right? If you if you literally if you spend a five year period from I don't know, you know, 2000 eight to 2013 buying any early Brady refractor you could and just sat on that. Now you would literally be retired because that stuff has like hundred times. It's insane. So, you know, I think that's something very incredible to point out the fact that it's not just rookie cards that can make you money. There are many opportunities elsewhere. What, what are you seeing? And I know I got to talk. I try not to like overload listeners with my just pure obsession with number 18 and the <laughs> fact that he's going in the hall, but 
what I know you're a, you're a patent collector to me, just like being in the eBay listings every day, it seems like all the stuff I want right now has been marked up um, to a point where it's like, I, yeah, I think that these cards will get to that point, but like, I just can't bring myself to like going and smashing by it now, right now. And maybe I'm missing out on an opportunity who knows, but what, what are your thoughts on just like the Manning market and how it's gone this year? Yeah. So like, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm one of the biggest paid Manning guys out there as well in our chat. So I'm pretty careful with like how I talk about Peyton with people. Cause I don't want to, I never want to make it look like I'm pumping my own stuff. Right. Like a hundred percent, not my fucking intention. Like I, I'm not that guy. I'm really not like, I don't, you buy, go buy whatever the hell you want. I'm just telling you what I buy. Right. But I literally had, I would say more than a handful of people say to me at the show that Peyton Manning is the most undervalued person in the football market. And it didn't come out of my mouth. Like, I wish I recorded it so I could like have proof, <laughs> like tangible evidence. Right. But you could put me in a lie detector test right now. And there were some bigger name accounts on Instagram out there who said, like, I'm looking for solid patent stuff because, you know, Hall of Fame comes up. And, you know, part of it is like the Hall of Fame was kind of built into his prices a little bit. Mm-hmm. Pretty obvious he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Despite whether you like the guy or not, right? But, you know, at the same time, I think the Hall of Fame is going to remind people how great this dude was, right? You know, the battles that him and Brady had, you know, how this guy changed the game of football. I mean, there were no quarterbacks calling audibles and, and calling plays at the line of scrimmage like Peyton until Peyton came on the scene. He literally revolutionized the game of football. Now you see every quarterback doing that. So, like, quarterbacks don't have the freedom to do that stuff now. That's because of Peyton Man. That That's just facts. You know, Montana and Marino and Elway, they weren't changing their plays and doing this stuff, this this cerebral stuff at the line and, and playing, ch- you know, chess and everybody else is playing checkers like Peyton Manning is. So, say what you want about him, but that's, that's just facts. You know, and... And on top of that, he has a winning record against Brady in the playoffs. How many dudes can say that? How many dudes besides the Manning family can say that? So I'm obviously I'm not putting down Brady. I got I, I love Brady. I got a ton invested in him. But at the same time, like people are going to be reminded how great he was. And then you know I got in my showcase right. It was two rows of Peyton Manning. Then it was two rows of Mahomes. And I'm sitting there like telling people like, how is Mahomes priced this high when you have a five-time MVP right here, two-time Super Bowl champ? You know, holds multiple records. You know, top three to ever do it. And his stuff is pennies compared to Mahomes. It, but that's just the whole, that's, that's just the, that's the market, right? Everybody mm-hmm. wants to, what have you done for me lately? You know, who's in the spotlight now? That, that's just how it goes, right? But at the same time, you know, those people who are pouring thousands of dollars into Mahomes, you know, it might not be a bad idea to, to check it a little bit, maybe pour a couple hundred into a guy like Peyton or a guy who's an absolute legend who, who's already established and, and be a little safer with their money. Um, everybody wants that, you know, 20, 30 times reward on what they paid, but Sometimes it's safer best to go with goat stuff um, and a guy who's who's already been there, done that, and, and shown that he's a top three quarterback of all time. So I, you know, I wanted to reiterate, I'm not trying to pump paid Manning cards. I could give two shits less; they could all plummet tomorrow. I'm still buying them. I'm still holding on to my collection. But you know, sometimes a safer buy in the hobby is a better buy. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, I get the Mahomes thing, uh, especially like he's active, like. By him being active, that means his prices can go up. Mahomes is great. Like, he don't get me wrong. But I think, like, again, I try not to, like, cast my opinion too hard. But I'm going to say this just because it's a football conversation that if you're playing the long game and you're deeply invested in football cards and you love football cards, like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, like, you can't go wrong. Like, these guys, especially, like, especially their rivalry. And I don't know, maybe it's just because we grew up 
during that time and got to appreciate and admire them. But to me, those are about as safe as bet as you can possibly make. Yeah. And, you know, the funny you mentioned how active players tend to do better like Mahomes. Right. And I get that. And I'll, I'll be honest, like, you know, I can totally see once Brady retires, his stuff going down a little bit that I can totally see an absolute panic. Oh, my God, he's supposed to be the goat. His stuff's going like what's going on. People panic selling. I can't wait for that moment because I will save a bankroll for that moment and I will just eat up any Tom Brady card I can get because you saw it with Jordan a little bit. Right. I'm not some historian with the basketball market. Right. But, you know, anybody who goes out of sight, out of mind for a period of time, their stuff's going to dip a little bit. Right. But, you know, look what happened to like Jordan inserts and Jordan's second, third and fourth year cards and stuff like that. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if after Brady retires, there's a slight dip in his cards and people freaking out and panicking. Oh, my God, he's the go. Why are his cards dipping? And, you know, maybe panic selling a little bit. And I would I can't wait for that moment because I will just continue to buy his stuff because long game with Tom Brady, you were going to be golden. You know, any card you buy now, I firmly believe is going to be five, 10 times what it is, you know, in 10 to 20 years. You know, totally. And, and look at, you know, I had somebody come up to the show, ask me. You know, I only have like 300 bucks. What would you buy of Brady? I said, any gem mint slab of Brady, back at 9.5, PSA 10 that you can get for 300 or under, buy it. You know, preferably serial numbered, right? But, you know, that's the stuff like that didn't have a ton of value in the Jordan market when he was playing possibly. But like now that stuff has gone through the roof, the Jordan inserts and things like that, more rare stuff, low pop stuff. I mean, just follow trends that already exist, right? In terms of finding value or potential value down the road. And once again, that's a long play. Right. That's a that's a 10 to 15 year play. But if you have that long term mindset, you, know, you can definitely you know go a long way with a little bit of money right now. Totally. I want to get into the the volume of quarterbacks, the volume of quarterbacks that people are interested in. You know, I, I think what you said is is something that shouldn't be overlooked, is that a lot of these guys, you're going to buy them now and then they're not maybe not going to have the seasons that you think they're going to have maybe they will. There's a little bit of a gamble there, but there's so many options. Um, you add, you layer in Trevor Lawrence, you know, Zach Wilson, if that's your, your cup of tea, all of these rookie quarterbacks coming in. And it, to me, like, obviously the quarterbacks run the football card market, but there's just so many options. And like you mentioned Wentz earlier, like for me, it's like, it's one of those situations where it's like, well, he's my quarterback. I'm going to buy his cards in. I see potential. So I'm, I'm attached to him from just like a fandom perspective because he's my quarterback. But like, I guess like maybe talk through like with all of these players, not all of them are going to hit. Like, how do you uh, mitigate your risk? I guess if you're someone who's getting into football cards, like I, to I made mention like I'm buying wins. I would not buy Wentz if he wasn't playing for the Colts, but I'm buying him because he's on my team. So like, to me, like that's me mitigating risk. Cause it's like, if his cards stay the same or go down a little bit, I don't really give a shit, but like what advice with all of these options do you have for people as they're going out and spending their money in the football card market? Yeah. I mean, there might be more quarterbacks to choose from this year in terms of investing than ever before. Um, because, you know, as you mentioned, it's a huge crop of rookies coming in. And there's a huge crop of young quarterbacks who already were there. So I'm not a prospector. I, I usually like to see a guy past whatever my eye test is. I haven't written out the, the, the boxes, what I check off. But like, you know, I didn't invest in Mahomes to start. Like I, I, he had to pass the eye test, right? So and once he did, I got in. Still get into him early enough where I can, I can make it a decent amount now. Um, but a guy's got to pass the eye test. So like I didn't, you know, I wouldn't mind picking up a couple of Herberts right now. But I didn't early because he, he, plus his stuff was so high early anyway, because he was, you know, higher draft pick, a lot of hype. But 
I guess in terms of my advice, you need to decide whether you're a short-term play or a long-term play, right? So if you, let's say you invest in Baker Mayfield, right? And the Browns start the season out 3-0, his stuff might be through the roof. You're a short-term player, dump it. Get rid of it. Who cares if he wins the Super Bowl? Cash out then, take your profit. You know, don't be the guy who gets all butthurt because, all right, Baker won the Super Bowl. Now his stuff's worth three times what I sold it for. Well, there's something to be said in this game about taking a profit when you can, and any profit's a good profit, especially, I mean, shit, think about the market now, right? You know, people who should have cashed out earlier who didn't, and now, you know, they're, they're kicking themselves in the ass. And I, I, I'll i be very honest. I've, I've talked about this on your podcast before. You know, I had opportunities to sell cards much higher than they were doing right now. So I lost out on some money. I'm still into it to a point where I'm going to make money down the road. But I, I missed out on selling at something's peak because I had a more long-term perspective. So you really got to, you know, we talked about it, you know, previously on this podcast, you got to decide whether you're a short-term or long-term player. That's it. Um, and I'm also a big, and I've said this before, I, I'm a big believer in hedging your bets. So, you know, I was talking about this, one of my friends who's, who's invested in Jalen Hurts and, and talking about, he loves Hurts. You know, like them in college, he likes them now. He's got a lot of Hurts cards. So it's like, if he starts out hot, sell half of them. Right, cash in there and then keep your boy and keep rooting for him throughout the season. Right. So that way, if something happens, injury or he, he tanks late or something like that, look what happened to Kyler Murray last year. Right. His cards were through the roof, but then he had a shit second half of the season, especially last quarter of the season. He was banged up. Cardinals go from a playoff lock to missing the playoffs and his stuff tanks. Right. And ironically, he's a guy who people are really looking for right now. Right. Because they, they believe in him long term. Right. But you really got to decide whether you have a short term perspective or a long term perspective. That's what you got to decide. So the guy you invest in starts so hot and you're a short term player, get rid of his cards. You know, and, and if you're a long term player, you know, hold them or, you know, sell a little bit, hedge your bet a little bit and, and, and go from there. So so if you're not named Brady or not named Mahomes, I don't think it really matters. But for everyone else, like to me, I think if I'm putting my money behind a player, the supporting cast in football matters more than in any other sport. So like, what are your thoughts on just like, to, like back to my example with Wentz, it's like, I, 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 the Colts are my team. I look at them, their depth chart. I follow them. I know the players and I look at the team going into next year and not just being Homer. I'm just like, this is one of the better, like rock constructed rosters we've had since probably Peyton Manning. And you're adding kind of a redemption player and Carson Wentz into the mix. And I'm going to bet on him being succeeding, being back with Reich. And there's just a bunch of factors that I like about it. So to me, like I'm focused in, that's my team. But then there's a lot of other guys that say, oh, I like Kyler Murray or I like Baker Mayfield or I like Jalen Hurts, but like maybe aren't looking at all of the surrounding pieces, not saying that those guys aren't good, good bets, but I'm just saying, like, how important do you think it is to evaluate, like, the situation of the quarterback that you're about to spend hundreds and maybe thousands of dollars in? Yeah, I mean, I, you can almost make the argument the situation is more important than the down of the quarterback, right? So, so this true. is actually why, you know, I, I don't want to cut up Kyler because I know he's your boy, right? But this is why I didn't jump in heavy on Kyler last year because their offensive line sucked. I knew he'd be running for his life, right? I mean, I didn't really even understand that the – Cliff Kingsbury hiring. Like, I don't even know how he got that job in, ter in terms of his resume in college. So I was a little concerned with, with coaching there as well. So he was a guy, I bought a couple Kyler cars. I like him. I like watching him play. He's, he's, he's so fun to watch play. Um, plus I'm a short guy, so I kind of vibe with him, right? So, um, but 
it's like, if I don't like your situation, I sure as hell I'm buying your cards. So like, look at the top two draft picks, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, right? If I would have bust any wax and pull any of those guys, I'd be selling them immediately, right? I, I, I want us to have them pass the eye test. And I'm rooting for them because it would be so good for the hobby if the top two draft picks turned out to be absolute studs. Like it would be so good, right? Like I'm, I'm rooting for those guys, even though I have zero of their cards, right? But you're going to tell me like Zach Wilson's going to come on the scene and absolutely dominate and, and turn the Jets into a playoff team. And I, shit, I hope he does. I hope we can look back at this podcast in five months and say, shit, this guy, the captain's a moron, right? I would love for that to be said, right? But I mean, look at Peyton Manning, his first year, right? With the Colts went three and 13. He led the league in picks, but he still passed an eye test. You could see that that was something special. So I, I just, I don't see the Jets or the Jags lighting the world on fire this year and making the playoffs, but doesn't mean that Wilson and Lawrence can't still pass an eye test where you're like, okay, you know what? This kid's something special. I can do something with him long-term. Like, for example, look at Burrow last year. I mean, my God, talk about the worst possible injury for the football market last year. Um, besides luck retiring, that was devastating, right? Seriously. So I didn't mean to bring up that sore subject. <laughs> um, but like Burrow passed an eye test. Like that kid was something special with one of the worst offensive lines in the league, with a new head coach in the league, um, you know, with, you know, not a ton of receiver talent and aging AJ Green, you know, uh, a, a mediocre defense, but you could see like that kid's special. He had the Bengals in games that they weren't supposed to be in. So I think that it, it's it's very strange to see a kid coming off this devastating of a knee injury to have his market where it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you can make the argument, like, why the hell are people paying so much money for Joe Burrow right now? But I think that for a lot of people, he passed an eye test, even though the Bengals sucked. So you know, with that being said, you know, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence could play on two win teams, but, you know, they could still pass an eye test to the point that there's still strong money in their market. But the bottom line is this. There's only two quarterbacks at the end of the day, end of the season, who are going to have their market soar through the roof. It's two guys who make the Super Bowl. That's it. So, you know, we could rattle off a list of eight to 12 different quarterbacks that people are investing in right now. Well, there's going to be 10 people who are pretty pissed off because their dude didn't, didn't get to the promised land. I want to jump. I got to talk. You mentioned him earlier, but if we're talking quarterbacks, like I was blown away when I was in Dallas by the, like the number, my number one takeaway in Dallas was like, holy shit. Like, look at all these Justin Herberts. It was like every person who had football cards had contenders, autos, shiny prism stuff. And, and they were all priced, priced to move. And, um, you know, I've watched enough football. That's all I do. Um, when it's football season, I mean, this kid's an incredible talent, like way better than I anticipated. Um, but you know, then and again, it's like question marks on the team, question marks on the division. Like he's got to play Patty Mahomes twice. Division's tough. Your Raiders are in there. Um, Broncos are going to get better. Like, I know you bought some Herbert. Like, how are you justifying that? Because it's, that's kind of outside of your, your playbook. I'd love to know, know your thoughts on Herbert and why you're interested. Yeah. So Herbert is more of a hedge play for me because I have so much money invested in Mahomes. So I wouldn't mind, you know, turning 10 to 15% of my Mahomes money into Herbert, just in case the Chargers all of a sudden start dominating that division, which is now the realm of possibility. I mean, they had the Chiefs beat, you know, in the one meaningful game they played. They played the Chiefs end of the season. The Chiefs were arrested people, so it didn't matter. But they had the Chiefs beat in that game, you know, until, you know, they, they kind of pissed it away at the end. Um, I literally watched Herbert play all last season. You know, when you got red zone, right, you, you get to see everybody. And it seemed like they were in so many, like, one-possession games down the stretch where there's some questionable coaching moves or just – you know, a ball didn't go the right way. The Chargers very well could have been a playoff team last year with suspect coaching and, mm -hmm. and a mediocre defense. They had a ton of injuries on defense last year. The fact that this kid still had these guys in games that, that they probably shouldn't have been in was beyond impressive to me. 
Austin, uh, I, Austin Eckler was out too. Uh, absolutely. Right. So you, you lose arguably, you know, in, in Keenan Allen's, I mean, he's, I love Keenan Allen, love his route running. I love his receiving ability, but he's always dinged up, you know? So it's like what this kid did with, you know, banged up pieces around him with, you know, some questionable coaching decisions in certain games. It, it was just remarkable. With that being said, I love Mahomes. I think he's the dude. I mean, I, I think he is the play long-term. So it's like, I think Justin, if I had a shit ton of money invested in Herbert, I'd be a little worried. And then there was talk about Rogers coming to Denver. So like, if you had a shit ton of, of money invested in Herbert at that point, you're like, oh my God, he can go to the third best quarterback in the division. And I got, right. you know, you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars invested in Herbert. That was scary. It didn't pan out. Will it pan out eventually? Who knows? But that's got to be scary if you're sitting on a ton of Herbert stuff. But I like him. He passed the eye test. I just think he's in an extremely tough division. He's literally going up against once Brady leaves the best quarterback in football twice a year in mm-hmm. terms of trying to take that spot in the division and, and getting top seeding in the AFC. So it's not going to be easy. It's an uphill battle for him. But with that being said, man, did he pass the eye test last year? He was absolutely incredible. He's fun to watch. Yeah, I, I don't know if you caught this clip, but Patty Mahomes on the links and somebody uh, yelled at him like, better look out for Justin Herbert this year. And Mahomes said, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it or something like that. So uh, there's a little bit of a competition going on, sure. but that's that's good for football. We all Absolutely need that. Definitely. Um, all right, let's close out with this. I, I'd love, a lot of people are listening to this. Going to the national, I would imagine there are some people who are in the football game, some people who aren't in the football game that but might be interested. I guess, what is your advice for people uh, that are have been spending their primary time in basketball or baseball or something else, and now are looking at football? I think it's really important to always talk like none of the markets work the same; they're all very, very different. But like, what what advice would you have for for new people that are maybe coming in, going to the national, looking to buy some football cards? Yeah, I mean, so if you're somebody who I guess there's like two pieces of advice here. If you're somebody who's just on basketball and you don't watch a ton of football, don't prospect. Because, you know, it amazes me the people who put money in the cards of guys that don't watch games, right? So you have to have some knowledge in the sport you know, to make a full investment, right? So if you don't watch football, but you want to get some money into football cards, stick with GOAT stuff, stick with the established guys, stick with Brady, stick with Mahomes, you know, stick with guys who are going to be safe plays who you're not going to lose money on. If you watch and dabble in the sport, I mean, there are a ton of people who watch football. Like we talked about, I mean, you know, Arizona Cardinals versus Chicago Bears Monday Night Football probably has equal or better ratings than the NBA Finals, right? Now, right? Because that's just it's 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 the spotlight, right? So if you might be a guy who's watched football all the times, ever invested in football cards, well, I mean, we go back to the whole we've mentioned this multiple times in the podcast: the short-term versus long-term play, right? So if you want to make a long-term play, there's buy Tom Brady cards. That's it. Safest place you can put your money, right? You want to make a short-term play and you watch football, I mean, you know, grab a couple of Herberts, grab a couple Kyler Murrays, right? You know, grab a, um, a Lamar Jackson, right? A guy, a guy nobody talks about who's, you know, one of the more established guys. I know he's not the best pocket passer, but he's got an MVP. Ravens got a monkey off their back, won a playoff game last year. That roster is still, you know, pretty solid, right? So, you know, but I, I just, I wouldn't be a guy who goes from only buying basketball and all of a sudden the national, you want to drop 10 to 20K in the football card. Start out slow. And that's what I did with basketball, right? When I when I broadened my horizons a little bit from football to basketball, I started out with LeBron and, and I, I got like, you know, a handful of cards. I didn't go crazy, right? So don't ever go crazy in something you don't have a, a huge knowledge base on just to follow the crowd. And I think that's a big reason why, you know, certain parts of the market aren't doing well right now, because a lot of people follow the crowd when they didn't know what the hell they were doing. And unfortunately, now they're paying for it with their wallets, which which sucks. But, you know, that's the nature of it. So. 
you know, put your money in stuff that you know and you don't know, you know, talk to people who do. You know, I, I it's funny, I was talking to some people at the show, and I would say that 50% of the people who have hit me up on Instagram over the past year are looking for Brady cards. I look at their profile, and there's a lot of basketball on their page. So, you know, A, those people understand that, you know, once Brady won the seventh ring, you know, it puts him ahead of Jordan, right? He's it puts him in the goat of all goats combo. But they're also, it tells you those people are smart and, and they're putting their money, you know, in stuff that's established. And I, I think that's just the best bet if you don't have a ton of knowledge about the football market and you're looking to get in. Sage advice, good words. Kevin, this was a blast chatting with you as always. Do you have a booth number? If people are going to the show, they can come see you, talk football. Yep, absolutely. Let me just um, pull it up real quick and double check. I got to stop promoting this big time. I was pulling the Boston show, but um, I will be at booth 155 with Costa Cards and MC Sports Cards. Um, we'll be in the hot corner. Um, there's a lot of other great dealers in that booth. and I'll be posting a ton of promoting that over the next two weeks. Um, we got a ton of people set up. We got um, Sports Card Junction, um, IndyCard Exchange, Mealy Pops, RBI Crew. Um, there's a ton of other people mixed in there. Um, it, it's going to be a great area of the show. Um, I'm not going to act like it's, you know, the only area of the show you should check out, but I think it's going to be on at the hot corner for a reason. There are going to be dealers there who got their stuff priced ready to move and are willing to wheel and deal. So, you know, make sure you come check us out at booth 155 and check out that area. I know, I know where the Manning is, so I'll be there bright and early when I, when I get into town. So look forward to seeing you at the show, Kevin, everyone go check out the captain 37 on IG and I will see you at the national brother. Awesome, man. I can't wait. Bring a captain and Diet Coke for me. <laughs> Kevin is one of my favorite dudes in the hobby. Just a real dude. We collect similar stuff. I've learned so much from him. Hopefully you learned something as well. Go check out his booth at the National. Follow him on IG to Captain37. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And I'll be back next week with more Stacking Slaps podcasts.